Hi everyone, welcome to HubShots, episode 187. In this episode, we chat about the new, deeply powerful HubSwap Marketing Enterprise 2020 relaunch, plus multi-if-then workflow branching. You're listening to Asia Pacific's number one HubSpot-focused podcast, where we discuss HubSpot's tips, tricks, strategies, features for growing your marketing and sales results. My name is Ian Jacob from Search and Be Found, and with me is Craig Belly from Zen Systems. How are you, Craig? Oh, so good to be back. Welcome to 2020. It's going to be a deeply powerful... It's a deeply powerful year, I say. Deeply powerful year, Ian. Yeah. And so, I know we're recording this on the 23rd of January, so we're almost in February, but this is actually our first episode of 2020. So, good to be back. It is, and it's good to be in good health, Craig. It is. We'll chat about that in an upcoming shot. Now, our growth thought of the week, Craig is for us to connect better, isn't it? Yeah. So, thanks to everyone who's connected with us personally on LinkedIn. We just put a bit of a shout out in the last couple of episodes, connect with us on LinkedIn and a whole bunch of people did and they were very kind and said very nice things and it made our day. So, thank you. And if you haven't yet, we've got links in the show notes. Please connect with both of us on LinkedIn. We'd love to chat with you. And just search for us in LinkedIn, right? Ian Jacob or Craig Bailey. Actually, both, not either or. Okay, onto our HubSpot marking feature that we Craig. And this is something that kind of got slipped in. This has gone in under the radar. And this really is much more exciting for me because when we were planning the show, we we're like, oh, let's talk about the new deeply powerful HubSpot Marketing Enterprise 2020. But then I showed you some deeply powerful if-then branching and workflows. And that got so, you excited. Oh, this has got me really excited. So, let's talk about this. This is an Awesome feature. I don't know why they aren't shouting about this. Maybe maybe they'll shout, shout out about it in seven days' time. <laughs> <laughs> maybe they will. But And this is in pro, right? This is not even in – you don't even need enterprise for this. Exactly. But basically, listeners, what you get, if you haven't seen it already, is when you're doing an if-then branch, previously you could have if, then, and it was yes or no. Now you can have multiple yes options. So you go if this or this or this or this or this, or otherwise go to the no branch. So you can have up to 20 – branches. Which is pretty phenomenal. It's fantastic. And this is going to save so much I know, frustration. Have, we've all seen those workflows where they have if-then branch and then, then, if, then, then on the yes, you go the if-then, then it goes to another if-then, like this massive thing that's I know. really wide. I was actually just thinking of a customer of ours where I did that. Now, I'm going to go back and probably use this new feature and rejig the whole workflow. Absolutely right. And we also use child workflows and times to get around this. So, yes. we kind of atomize little workflow components and then we just basically shout Call out Call the to, child. Yeah, yes. We will be definitely using this for a number of our clients. So, thank you HubSpot for this. Um, and I guess the takeaway from this is actually go and review your workflows and check to see if you can make some improvements to it. Because as you probably know, we've been talking about closing loops and so on. So, you, you know, that that's within the sales part of workflows. But here's a great example. You can clean stuff up, make it cleaner, make it better and keep improving. Refactoring workflows should yes. be a key piece because it is probably one of the main things that changes. I wouldn't say go back and refactor landing pages and refactor forms and all this kind of thing, but workflows are a good candidate for that. You know, in code, there's this idea of code debt. And after a while, after years of use, you've kind of built up all these workflows that are kind of, no one knows what the hell they're doing. They're sitting there and no one wants to touch them all. Really, if you're doing regular maintenance and and, uh, refactoring on your workflows, uh, it just keeps them nice 
and efficient. And when features like this come in, here's the perfect excuse to go in and review some of your most complex workflows. I think now is a great time of the year to actually go through and review your workflows and just have a, I guess one uh, tip is make sure you have A, good naming conventions, B, you're probably using, you should be using folders to organize stuff, but also renaming stuff just to make sure that you've actually got them, you've got the ones you want to actually look at or maybe phase out. Well, you can, name them appropriately. Yeah, you can you can turn off workflows. So I actually went through our own portal uh, over the Christmas break, and I actually turned off a whole ton of workflows that were just no longer doing anything. You know, they had triggers that were for campaigns yes. back you know years ago, and yeah, I cleaned it up. I've really um, uh, reduced our, and because you know in the list because you can just not show um, inactive workflows yes. and the active ones makes it a lot neater. Excellent. All right, on to our deeply powerful HubSpot Marketing Enterprise 2020 review, Craig. It's deeply powerful. Little Easter egg for listeners. Go to deeplypowerful.com. Tell me what you find. Anyway, moving on. So HubSpot and, you know, Moby in Inbound Buzz had a a good, I'm going to say a takedown. A takedown, (laughs) yes. Well, no, actually, let me take that back. A bit of a takedown of Marketo, actually. Correct. And Adobe products. Putting the boot into some Adobe products, which I don't disagree with, I have to say. Uh, But, yeah, talking about HubSpot's relaunch or kind of bundling of a bunch of enterprise features and relaunching it because – and we're going to go through a few of them in the coming minutes. But, really, they've taken a whole bunch of things that have been there for ages or – are still just in beta, by the way, one of them, the um, ABM. Correct. It's, it's still in beta for a small – like it's not actually available to most people. And then other things like increasing limits, they've called that out as part of the deeply powerful HubSpot. Mark. That's just like, what? Anyway, this is marketing at its finest. This is HubSpot. <laughs> Doing, you know, a great, a great bit of marketing, a great bit of marketing, and bundling a whole bunch of features up. But it's also about positioning, and I guess we'll get to that after we talk about just what the components are of this enterprise relaunch. Now, multi-touch revenue attribution has been one of the biggest things, and we covered this back in episode one seventy-six. So, I think this is one of those things where you can really tie things down to where your efforts are being utilized and whether that's actually producing revenue. Now, one thing I did like about this update, which I saw was they actually had the common things that marketers would want in the revenue attribution reporting, which you could select. So they had all these pre-selections and the other part was if you wanted something really specific, you could go and select that and create the report yourself. So, you know, there's some great time-saving features just in that alone to show value. That's right. This is very powerful. This is useful. This is revenue attribution. It's actually very powerful and it's very easy to use. And if we look at Kip Bodnar's blog posts where he amongst, well, a cast of thousands, it's almost like did anyone in HubSpot not promote this on social or blogs? It's very but well orchestrated, Craig. It's really well orchestrated. They are, And as Moby talks about in his podcast, he's like, we can learn from how HubSpot coordinate these things. We've talked about it previously in the past when, you know, they acquired PySync. It's like, oh, all you ever saw on LinkedIn was PySync, PySync, PySync. But here's another one. It's, they've really done a good job of getting the news out on this one. But yeah, this is a good feature and it is really easy to use. And it does compare to other products out in the market, but it's easier to use. And as Moby talks about, they're they're gunning for Marketo, of course. And I've got a bit of a comment later when we talk about one of our clients going down the Marketo path. Correct. 
But yeah, revenue attribution, it's really good, but it's been there for a while. It's it not has. like this has just been launched. And as you said, we talked about it months ago. Correct. And there is a really great academy course about attribution reporting, which we put a link to. So I encourage you to have a look at that. Now, number two, Craig, is partitioning. And we talked about this back in episode 140. That's when we first talked about it. And that's when HubSpot were rolling it out more than a year ago, partitioning, and it's got better and better. And so I think it is pretty feature complete. There's still a few things like, you know, you can't partition social channels. This is a frustration for one of our clients. They're on enterprise, but they've got a UK set of social channels and then also a local one. And they want their UK team to only see the UK social channels. We can't actually partition that yet. I'm hoping that's coming. But it's one of those things that's problematic because that's almost partitioning in settings versus partitioning in the social That's tool. exactly right. So yes. there's a bit, a bit of a work for them to do there. And you know, like anything, just like they have been working through the interface design and updating it, I think it's just a tire. It's just incremental progress, and we will see this happen, I'm sure. I, I agree. I'm pretty sure we will. But their partitioning tool is now very good. And remember, even probably when we were talking about it back in 140, we talked about issues like, ah, oh, someone could only be in one sub-team yes. and things like that. They fixed all of that, all those issues that we had then. It's really, it's nice. It's it, it's quite a mature offering now in in partitioning. Okay. And the next one we're going to talk about is account-based marketing. And this is in beta. So, not everybody will have it. We don't have access to it. I'd love to talk about it. All we can do is refer you to a video on the product updates blog. And and also, I guess for you to note, it's not just an enterprise-only feature. This is actually works in marketing professional too. It's said in the video. Fantastic. So, with that, there's obviously particular properties that they collect, which you can see in the contact record, and there's reporting around ABM. So, I guess if you are interested or you are doing ABM, account-based marketing, I would definitely request that feature to be added. Yeah, look, I'm going to request it because a number of our clients talk about this. And in fact, when we talk about our Marketo client at in a few minutes, let's, this ABM and attribution reporting were the two key things and they didn't feel that HubSpot could deliver it. So, they went to Marketo and I'm – anyway, we'll get to that. All right. And number four, adaptive testing. And we've discussed this in episode 182. And it's all about artificial intelligence to automate the testing and then choosing the winner. So, in the video that you'll probably see, they talk about A-B testing being flawed. One, because we have to choose. We, we choose between two choices. We split the traffic evenly. And then we have to kind of work out which one's the one that's working. Whereas this way, we let the artificial intelligence work it out for us based on the different things we want to test and change to test, test out. Number five, Craig, advanced targeting in conversations. So, uh, this is good. Or actually, it's it's really more around chat flows, which I guess feed into conversations. So, a couple of episodes ago, we talked about how we love the new behavioral targeting on Correct. the lead forms. Oh, I mean, pop-up, pop-up forms. I still call them lead, lead flows. flows. Where not only could you have normal URL targeting, but you can have behavioral targeting. And in that episode, we talked about, well, you can basically create funnels of forms because you could have, if they've filled out this particular form, they go into a list. Yes. And then, of course, you use that as an exclusion so that then they no longer see that pop-up form. They see a different pop-up form, so you can have funnels. Well, now they've added that also 
to chat flows. What I find interesting though is, and I may have misunderstood this, but it seems like this is only available in enterprise. Like if you've got chat flows, it's only available in enterprise, whereas that whole same targeting is available- In professional. In professional, in um, lead forms, um, in pop-up forms. So there's kind of an incongruity there. But You're right. Again, I'm glad to see this target. If you've got enterprise, happy days. You know, you can make those consistent funnels, really, Funnel, and yes. run them across all your pop-up forms and, and uh, chat flows. All right. And then finally, we saw high capacity, and we touched on this in recent episodes where they've increased workloads from 500 to 1,000 and report widgets from the dashboard from 10 to 20. I mean, that's great. Um, don't know if it's worthy of, you know, I think they're scraping the bottom of the barrel like, oh, we've got to get another feature into the HubSpot, sorry, the, sorry, the deeply powerful HubSpot Marketing Enterprise 2020 launch. And so they decided to go increase capacities as number six. That's right. So, Craig, knowing all of these features, and there are many more features in enterprise that people are using or have the ability to use, but where does HubSpot fit in the market? When, we, when we're talking about this, where does it fit? Okay, so I think it's no, it's pretty clear that, well, they're gunning for enterprise, I think, as Moby and many others have said. Uh, they've got Marketo in their sides, probably Pardot as well. They are looking to go into that enterprise market. And, you know, their ease of use, I think, is in some ways their hurdle because when you're in corporate, uh, and I think Kip's post talks to this, Yes, it's kind of like, well, if it's an enterprise tool, it's got to be clunky and hard to use and complex and I've got to get a whole team in and I need, you know, a whole bunch of expensive consultants. Otherwise, it's not really an enterprise tool. And when you see HubSpot, you know, you, you do a demo and you can kind of show it in five minutes. It's kind of like, oh. Oh well, it's probably pretty simple, you know. It's not we're we're after something we don't understand, you know. <laughs> I, I, I I joke, but I think that's a that's a corporate mentality. There's almost a there's almost a comfort in knowing that it's too complex. You know what? I think you you think you've probably hit the nail on the head there. And I've had a similar experience talking to a large organization recently, where they were suggested that they should use Salesforce and they should use uh, Marketing Cloud. And one of their things was was usability. They were like, we just, we looked at it and we were like, how do we use this? Like, we're going to need some very specialized help to actually use the system and get the most out of it. And one of the reasons they were keen to have a look at HubSpot was, can we use it? Is our ability to use it and get the results we need and have people across the organization use it all the time? That was a really key key component in the proof of concept. So, right. there, there you go. But that's good. And that is representative of the shift in mindset that we're seeing in corporate and enterprise. People are starting to go, well, you know what? It shouldn't be complex. And that's what Brian Halligan's been saying for ages and, and others at HubSpot. It should be easy to use. And people are starting to now feel like... And look, I hate to use the iPhone as an example, but, you know, it took a while for people to go, well, hang on, it's a really cool tool we can use in the enterprise, but it's got that consumer usability. Everyone expects that now. So now, even with our enterprise software, they want it to be easy to use. And this is where HubSpot comes in. So that's what I'm going to say is mindset is changing, but in some ways being easy to use, there's still a whole segment that will find that off-putting. They want the complexity because that's what they're used to, but it is changing. So pros and cons. But in terms of where they're positioning in the market, yeah, I think they are going after these big enterprise tools. And the ease of use 
and why they're calling it deeply powerful is for exactly that reason, to show that it's actually not a simplistic tool. When I think of my client, I'll just chat about a, a client who we've built their, this is a, a multinational global company in, I don't know, more than 40 countries. We've built their website in HubSpot CMS. They use Pardot currently for the marketing automation and Salesforce for their CRM. They are chucking out Pardot because they hate it, but they're replacing it with Marketo. And even though we've done multiple demos, we've had the HubSpot team in there doing demos about HubSpot Enterprise, they were adamant that they wanted to go with Marketo. They just felt it had far more sophisticated feature set on attribution and account-based marketing. Sorry, I was just having a mental blank there. Account-based marketing, of course, they're going to go with Visible and things like that. Bringing all these clunky tools together, trying to get working with um, Salesforce. Oh, social, no, haven't thought about that yet. Oh, events, we haven't thought about that yet. Anyway, this is a half a million dollar um, project that they're putting in place to roll out Marketo and then get uh, a Marketo partner in for the next nine months <laughs> to set it up and implement it. And I'm just going to be fascinated to see how this rolls out because compared to how easy it would be to achieve a lot of what they want in HubSpot, I'm just kind of bewildered. And I know that a bunch of the guys <laughs> on the HubSpot sales team, we're just scratching our heads going, what are they going to do? Because they love HubSpot for the CMS. They love the website. They're loving, they're getting there, making changes. They're going to try and implement Marketo with that and keep, anyway, we'll see how it goes. I find it frustrating, but then I use this as an example of that mind share. They're just so fixated on, oh, this really complex top of the top of the line premium system. I think they're going to be disappointed and ultimately pay. They'll get something, Craig. It's just that, will, it, will they get what they want out of it is another question. You know, they might get comfort from all that money they paid. We paid so much money. It must be good. must be working for it. And we're happy. I don't know. Let's see. All right. On to our HubSpot sales feature of the week, Craig. Shout out to Scott Ingram, who connected with us after listening to the podcast. And I discovered he had a podcast called Sales Success Stories. And I have actually been listening to episode 84, where he had someone called Carl Cruz. Um, and he was talking about successful selling in a small company. And it was really fascinating. So, he... he basically interviews the top 1% of sales leaders in organizations. And I have found this deeply encouraging and insightful just to learn for myself. So, Scott, thanks for connecting with us and then also introducing this podcast to us. So, listeners, have a listen. We'll put a, put a link in there. It's called Sales Success Stories. All right, on to Hotspot Extra of the Week, Craig. You know, we spoke back, I think, in November – you told me that everyone at Apple, yes, the first hour of the day they do training every day. Yes. And at the time I was astounded and I said, you know what? I'm going to do with that with my team. Anyway, for the entire January, yes. the first hour of every day, we just spend training. So we've been going through a lot of the HubSpot Academy courses plus right. a few other courses. Yep. It is working really well. Everyone in the team loves it. We are just learning so much stuff. I've actually been going back through, because uh, I'm doing it as well, I'm going back through the content strategy courses and the certification, and they've got a bunch of these mini courses. The one I'm going to shout out today is the Search Insights Report mini course, and found this through a blog post recently by Arja. Oh, by the way, she's awesome. She is. Yeah, but she's got this mini course as well, and it's all about how they, I mean HubSpot, 
manage their clusters and their keyword research and pulling it all together into spreadsheets. So that's what I'm going to recommend. I think it's a great little course. And I've actually been implying this because I'm, I'm doing a whole review for one of our businesses, our whole SEO review, content strategy review. I've gone through every single blog post. I'm looking how it feeds into clusters. I'm really embracing this whole hub and spoke model and using clusters and I'm actually putting a whole strategy around it. Now, why would that sound strange? It's because, as you know, it's like plumbers' bathrooms, right? Or cobblers' cobblers children, (laughs) cobblers' shoes, right? What what else? Mechanics' car, right? We never do it for ourselves. I'm doing it for ourselves and that's a result of training. Yes. This training has motivated me and we're doing it and it's really good. That is fantastic to hear, Craig. Well done. And well done to your team. All right. HubSpot Gotcha of the Week, Craig. I want to highlight this. Because we were onboarding somebody that has upgraded from marketing starter to professional, we were setting it up, setting all the standard colors in the email tool, putting the addresses and so on. And then my my client tells me, she goes, why do I have to keep changing these colors? Can't we just set this up once in the drag and drop editor? And I thought, yeah, that seems pretty reasonable. Anyway, try to do it. Make sure I've actually set all these things up correctly. Check colors are all good. I'm like scratching my head. I'm like, what's going on here? Anyway, on to HubSpot support, which we love. And I find out, oh, in there is an abil- there is an inability in the email drag and drop editor to read the color settings. So they actually have a feature. Someone's put in a feature request to make sure that it actually reads it from the color settings. Hang on. That's not a feature request. That's a <laughs> that's a bug. Surely that's a bug. So I had to go upvote it. Anyway, I have upvoted this, so hopefully we'll see it soon. But here's a here's a thing for, for listeners. Now, I know when some people are using marketing starter, it probably doesn't matter so much because going from nothing to using something is a massive step. And you know what? The default templates and the text and everything is actually really nice. When you start to go, oh, I need these particular color links, so I need this to be... It's like this, and you're very particular about your brand. This is when you're going to have pro- going to have problems, and you're going to have to either have one email that you keep cloning and editing, or you're going to have to keep redoing those colors and fonts every time you're doing that. Look, email. surely that's a bug. I, I can't believe you I, have I to would have said. It. I <laughs> would have said so. But and, and what are what are they expecting? Thanks when they when they implement that feature. Hey, that's <laughs> going to be a new marketing professional feature, Craig. <laughs> Part of the new deeply That's- powerful <laughs> HubSpot. Now, Craig, um, you did mention there is a goodbye to the links tool in HubSpot, which is uh, actually has gone away. Yeah, the gotcha is, did anyone actually even know about it? <laughs> That's the why it's tool. gone away. Yeah, and it, I think that um, probably the the least missed feature there. I did occasionally used to look at that, but. Um, I haven't for ages, so it's good you know, that they you get- know what. Yeah. And I, I'm gonna I'm gonna divert from our conversation here. I'm gonna relate this to cars. I've got a Mazda CX-9, which my wife drives, and it has a head-up display. Now, ever since we've had the car, every time it goes in for a service, they do a software update, and my head-up display changes. So I'm a bit of a car nut, as most of you probably realise. I love having reading different bits of information. So I like, uh, you know, the engine revs on the, they had the engine revs on the head-up display. They had the, the speed, they have navigation. So here I am, I go I go to the service. So this is like the second time it's happened. I go back to the service. I go to, go to service, pick the car up, turn on the car. I'm like, hang on, where's my taco disappeared to on the head-up display? Anyway, they're going, oh yeah, that's strange. Call the service guy back out. He's like, oh, 
Yeah, okay. He's like making sure the software is up to date. Yep. Okay, cool. Anyway, I'm like, okay, can you just go check on a new car that you have that this is the case? Oh, yeah, it's the same thing. Anyway, they've discovered, obviously, in the head-up display, what information is the most important that people would utilize, and that's relevant when they're driving, right? So, there's a speed indicator, there's the speed limit display, and there's a whole bunch of other things. So, it's really interesting. In this whole time that we've had the car, which has been for the last three years, that has changed pretty much every time we've gone in for a service because they're constantly monitoring what's actually giving value to people in the head-up display unit. And to me, I'm like, wow, that's really interesting that car manufacturers are doing this and constantly updating stuff. So anyway. I find that interesting. First of all, how do they work out what's the most useful? Like, is there any feedback that you provide that says you use this on the head head-up display? I am pretty sure that when cars are going for service and they're plugging the computers to read the diagnostics, they would read what's actually being, actually being utilized on the head-up display. Oh, so you can actually configure it yourself. Yes, there are certain things you can configure to show and not show. All oh, right, so you configure it, but then when you go back, they've changed it on you. Correct. Wow. And they've taken features out. So, that's a bad experience, surely. I think so. (laughs) What's different from that just being in a piece of software is that the head-up display is to help you when you're driving. Correct. So, basically, you're going to be driving while you're going, oh, hang on, where is it? Oh, distracted. Oh, hang on, where are And you'll be fixated on the (laughs) head-up display, drive into the back of someone. It's possibly a safety issue removing something like that. Look, it's a it's a tacker, right? So it's not that important, really. The speed. No, no, I'm not talking say specifically tacker. I'm just saying the concept of changing concept, what correct. you're used to, and perhaps even they change the position of something you're used to using the uh, the head up display. Which it has, yes, correct. And they change it's like, oh, that's a distraction. That's true. And so in saying that, they they actually have changed the placement of certain things, and. I guess you f- don't fully understand until you e- until you start using the different systems in the car and then you realize, oh, that's why this has moved to this particular place. And then you go, oh, that makes sense now. But in the initial uh, instance, you're kind of like, what just happened here? But, you know, here you go. It's a perfect example. And I just see this happening across the board. Now, back from my total divergence about talking about cars, marketing tip of the week, Craig, how to clear social caches. Now, why should we worry about this? Look, I think we talk about this every 20 or 30 episodes or so. We run in uh, a client's posted something on uh, a a blog post. They shared it to Facebook. Then they change the blog post Then they go and share it back on Facebook again. But it's really got the old thing that had an error or a typo or something like that. And so, we talk about the Facebook debugger or the LinkedIn audit. I forget what it's called. Anyway, so this comes up every again. So, I think we should just have a recurring mention of this. We should create recurring tasks. <laughs> recurring <laughs> shots. And here's just another po- uh, post about it. So, if you ever have those issues where you share something on a social channel and it's not showing how you feel it should because you've already changed the blog post, exactly. check this post. It'll give you links. When titles and image changes, but it doesn't pick it up. All right. Now, inside of the week, Craig, and for 2020, I think you've learned the value of it's good to be healthy because I think you started this year really... Very sick. I've been very sick, yeah. The sickest I've been in a long time. I know. I think and it's the sickest you've been ever since I've known you. Yeah. I was. I, was, I actually had to go to the doctor, Ian. That's right. That's how bad it <laughs> Anyway, I'm not going to wallow in that. But the reason I want to mention it is because I am so grateful. When The great thing about when you get well again is you just feel so happy and appreciate good health. So, be grateful. Don't take it for granted. 
Yeah, I just think an attitude of gratitude kind of thing. That's I, right. I don't want to be too cliche. And, so, sorry and you know that, what? After your, after, after your little episode, I'm going to highlight, we started talking about the health benefits of having an Apple Watch and what that means. So I've put a link in the show notes about the Apple Watch and the health features, which I think, you know what? Pretty good because I use an Apple, I've been using an Apple Watch for a while and I, I really enjoy the health features and benefits out of that just to keep a track and be aware uh, to myself. It's like, like my head up display, time to breathe, trying to stand up, time to move some more instead of getting stuck. In Does it have the a prompt work. to be grateful? Is there like I'm a- sure we could make one up, Craig. There's an app for that. And the deeply powerful Apple Watch. There we go. All right, onto our HubSpot. Uh, sorry, HubSpot throwback of the week, Craig. Now, 12 months ago, what was HubSpot announcing? I like to go back 12 months and say, you know what they were announcing? The end of support for Google Plus. Wow. Remember Google Plus? I know. It seemed like eternity. And also, they had uh, renamed the content strategy tool to what we now know as the SEO tool. Yeah, which I've been getting into for the clusters piece. By the way, I forgot to mention this when we were chatting about I was giving that call out to the search engine re- search insights report course because that's all around clusters, but nothing in that academy course was about using the SEO tool. Probably because it's not applicable for HubSpot itself because they've got so many clusters and yes. so many um, things. But yeah, they didn't even mention it. And I I wonder, I'd love the, to know the telemetry on that SEO tool. Hmm. They've put in this SEO recommendations piece now, which is good Correct, actually. Which is it's actually, actually quite good. Yes. But they've got that topics part and this cluster thing. It's just no one's taking it. I don't okay. think people are embracing it. So it'd be interesting to see how long that stays around. Now, we have a resource of the week, Craig, which is a Google Search Console training video series. And this is actually from Google on the Webmaster blog. So, it encourages you to look at that. And I think this is actually important. There are actually features being added to this tool pretty much probably weekly. So, I would encourage people to actually to get skilled up on it and utilize the tools that you're given because you'll be amazed at the things you can find out from using Google Webmaster. Yeah, tool. this course is really good. And shout out to Edward on, on my team who went through this training and is just looking after <coughs> Google Search Console for our clients now. And it's such a such a wonderful tool, Google Search Console. And this training just brings it, makes it really easy to use. And finally, Craig, our quote of the week. And this is from Ryan Holiday from his book, The Obstacle is the Way, The Timeless Art of Turning Adversity to Advantage. The obstacle in the path becomes the path. Never forget, with every obstacle is an opportunity to improve our condition. Deeply powerful. Now, listeners, we'd love you to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And we would love if you would connect with us on LinkedIn. So, just search Craig Bailey and Ian Jacob and connect with us and let us know. We loved hearing from all the people. So shout out to you. you know who you are. And I've actually had conversations with some of you. We really do appreciate you listening. And we really hope that you guys have your best year ever and make 2020 a real year of setting foundations that will take you for this next decade. Well, Craig, until next time. Catch you later, Ian. Hey there. Thanks for listening to this episode of Hubshots. For show notes and the latest HubSpot news and tips, please visit us at hubshots.com.